Welcome to Let's Talk Canine Fitness with your hosts, Katerina Mattioli and Dr. Leslie I. Join us for the monthly podcast on all things dog fitness. Young, old, overweight, or athletic, our passion for canine fitness has you covered. Hi, Katerina. How's it going? Hi, Leslie. Doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Excited to be uh, talking with you on this subject today. Me too. Me too. (laughs) So we were inspired by a recent podcast from uh, Online Pet Health. And for those of you who don't know, the Online Pet Health podcast, website program it's a really really great resource for anything animal rehab animal physiotherapy they have a small animal side a large animal side it's it's an awesome awesome resource and recently katarina was on the pad podcast with um the host megan kelly uh talking a little bit about fitness equipment and we thought we would just jump on to that and finish up talking a little bit more about fitness equipment and do maybe a little bit deeper dive into it. What do you think, Katarina? That's fantastic. I always like to talk to talk about the fitness equipment. Surprise! So, <laughs> so yes, um, obviously, I think Katarina has a huge interest in fitness equipment, and if you want to learn more about her background of how she got started, I would definitely direct you to that podcast with um, with Megan on online pet health because they went over everything of how she got started and why she was interested and what she wanted to bring to the canine fitness equipment world. So we're going to dive right into kind of, this is, this is a hot topic um, right now. Like we're, we're seeing a lot of kind of people having heated discussions about what kind of equipment you need, what's important for canine fitness, um, do you really need to buy things? All of that is is happening right now. So I thought we'd start out with just talking about kind of what's the minimum equipment you would recommend for someone to have at home for personal use, not professional use, but just personal use to get started in fitness. Um, I think um we are we we want talked about our top uh f- was it top five of equipment uh first I would I would take the the pieces out of my top five because I think that's necessary I uh don't want to talk only about uh, flexiness products but I would say we what we need is some sort of platform depending on size and weight of your dog then you need some sort of a sen uh, uh, some something that you can use on the ground and on the platform and then i would if i if i'm limited to three pieces i would um, get uh, some sort of a disc 
Yeah. I think if, that's a if I idea. can choose, I would I would go for the twin disc. Um, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great place to start. And I think what I like about it is is that you can definitely like DIY a platform. Like you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I we've talked about this a lot. I like totally, I would start everything <laughs> with a platform. Now I see a lot of people getting very hung up on like uh, the platform needing to be the perfect size for their dog and, and trying to, um, it's very much custom, like they're custom doing the platforms. And what's funny is like, to me, that's really hard. Like having a custom made platform for everything seems overwhelming. Um, even though there is this kind of push to do the do it yourself for me, I would just have a basic platform and work with that. Um, I, the Sensi mat is my kind of easy piece that I love. Cause I can take it everywhere. I had a platform that was just basically on the ground platform like it didn't have any height to it and that was what I used before the Sensi mat but it's heavy it's hard to transport um so I like the Sensi mat that I can do it in my living room I can do it in the garage I can take it outside you know and use that as my platform and if you have a bigger dog you know yes you may have to do multiples to make it big enough for that dog um and then I, yeah, some kind of inflatable. Um, it's, it's hard for me to separate like what I use professionally for what I think if I wasn't doing it professionally, what would I want for at home? And it probably would also be something like the twin disc. So something lower to the ground has some nice stability, but has a nice surface to work on. Um, I'm going to say, you know, with the, the, the yet to be new product, <laughs> that would probably, I'm going to guess. <laughs> we already, we already announced, we already, we already announced um, it. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I was the same. I want to say, uh, the new pod disc. Yeah. New, the pod disc. Yeah. Would probably replace the, yeah. the twin disc eventually just because of the, the nicer working surface. Um, and that kind of takes us into, so yeah, I mean, I don't think you need a lot to be able to get started on a home fitness program, but I do think when you look at it, you know, making the choice between making it yourself or DIYing it or buying stuff, I think it's important to look at the pros and cons between the the two options. Mm -hmm. And, you know, definitely if you're, you know, just using it for home use, there are many things that you can find around the house that can act as pieces of equipment. You know, if you don't want to buy an inflatable piece of equipment, use a couch cushion, you know, use a nice dog bed, you know, there's definitely things that, that you can find. 
But professionally, like if you are going to do canine fitness professionally, if you're going to go out and teach other people, if you are um, a rehab clinic, I think you have to be really careful about using DIY products um, because you you want to know how those products are going to behave with different dogs using them, that they're safe. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of a lot of things that that you don't know with the DIY stuff. What do you think, Katarina, about I couldn't DIY? Agree. I couldn't, I couldn't, ag- I couldn't agree more with my clients. I, I recommend them to do things themselves, easy platforms combined with inflatables they may maybe already ha- they already have and then to buy something canine specific so they can combine the things they are they, they they have at home but when you are a professional working i, I it, it is necessary to work with professional equipment this is it's just I think, I mean, you earn money with it. So your client has the right to be sure that the products you're using are professionally made. So it doesn't mean a, a platform you use has to be made by a canine fitness product company. It can be made professionally by, by a, a carpenter or someone who knows how to do safe um things yes and i will say in my clinic we'll just call it that um my a lot of my pieces are made by a local agility um maker because they understood kind of the stresses of of like that the dog is going to put on the equipment you know whether it's a small mm-hmm. dog or you know a 150 pound mastiff um they understood the safety aspect you know agility equipment needs to be built well and it needs to be safe it needs to not collapse under the dog um it needs to have oh. safe edges <laughs> it needs to have you know no screws exposed or nails exposed and so i had a lot of my stuff There's- or other material yeah so I had it made by them and it's it's gorgeous like I got to pick Mm -hmm. out the color I got to we used the uh, agility rubber um, surface that is on the contacts for the surface so it's great traction Mm -hmm. and again I got to pick the color of it it's really pretty you know it matches with everything and my yeah I love using it I love having it out in the clinic to work with. Cause I, I think it looks really good. Um, and that looks good for the business. Now, if yeah, it's a I custom want, made product. Yeah. And if I want something similar for the client to use at home, I'm not going to tell them, Oh yeah, go out to this person. You know, if they want something, this quality, then yes, I will recommend mm-hmm. that yeah. local business person to, to have it made. But you can also suggest things at home um, for home use. Um, You know, I'll often tell people like, you know, if I want them jumping up on the box, like doing box jumps, I'm not going to make them go get a box. Mm -hmm. Like if you're okay with it, have them jump up onto the couch or, you know, 
you can help them yeah. find things or think about things that they might have around the house to use for the exercises. You don't have to force them into buying product. But I do think it's important that we present product that is professional looking and made for the dogs specifically. Yeah, and then and then you have to adjust to the cli to the client's budget what they could use safe at home and if they can't afford buying a lot of professional product or if they don't want to buy it because they don't have space or whatever. So I think it's just um yeah, it's up to us to give them safe advice um for self-made products or like we give them advice how to use the products safe for the dog it's just uh, that we have to tell them um what is safe for their dog and what isn't they maybe don't think about things we do what is dangerous exactly um and so yeah we have to help them think through all that and understand what we're looking for in the exercise so they also know how to do it like it's not just about the product it is about how exactly. the dog is moving and what they are doing with it um and and helping them through that process i think is is the most important than having them all have the perfect pieces of a, a fitness equipment at home so i think it's one of those It's, it's a hard line. Like for me, I always joke that I'm much better at buying things than making things, but I don't want to tell everyone they have to do that. So I definitely mm -hmm. like to have resources of like, here are the different things. Here's what I know about. Um, and sometimes all it takes is me giving them these references and they can look at it and they and then they can go out and make it. And they say, okay, I can see from all these different examples what needs to be done. Um, and, and I've definitely had clients make beautiful equipment and it, mm -hmm. it you know, looks great. Or I've had them be really creative um, and come up with different ways to to solve a problem with what they have at home. So it is, yeah. it is doable. It's not something that in order to do canine fitness, you have to go out and buy a lot of equipment. Um, it should be accessible. I just recommend everyone. if you're using something that isn't made professionally for dogs, just ask your trainer if this product you want to use is safe for your yes. dog yes. i've seen i've seen people using for example tupperware instead of uh paw stackers paw pots and if you have, have ever seen what happens with plastic when it's it breaks sharp this edge. is definitely not what you, this is this is definitely not what you want for your dog's paws so um I don't recommend to do this. And if, if you want to use other alternative stuff, just ask your trainer if it's safe, if, yeah, if you want to use yeah. it. I... Or things that we think 
it's fine and we're not really thinking about how it might potentially hurt if you step on it. Um, oh my, I, I know what you're referring to. <laughs> like, I know, and I'm... <laughs> I haven't really seen it personally, but I think you have the like info stacker things. Yeah, I have seen I have seen people letting stack their dogs on Lego, and um, I was like, oh my god! I was never I never was a Lego kid. I never liked it a lot, but I step on those things, and I know how much this hurts. It's not okay to let your dog stack on Legos lego towers so it's it's not okay yeah that doesn't yeah that that seems rough it, um, it might it, i think it might it might look seems to be a fancy idea or but please don't do it yeah there's your, there's your dogs of- your dogs will step on these things because they love you yeah they want there's to please you other and- things we can use that aren't that you can diy that aren't, you know, expensive. I mean, there's, it doesn't have to be Legos. I mean, I, I mean, I see, I see a lot of pictures from you guys. You, you're using these, these black uh, bowls, these black plastic bowls for. I, I think they, they look very stable and safe, and I think they have a rubber uh, ground rubbery. or something. Yeah, so they're, yeah. They're, I don't know exactly what the material is, but it's basically. It's from the farm world. It's it's basically their feed bowls for like horses and sheep and goats and stuff like that that you can just go find at the feed store. And um, yeah, so they've got good traction. The the thing is, like the bigger they get, the more the middle is not supported. So they definitely can okay. kind of push. Like they're not totally solid. But for smaller, like the smaller ones for, you know, smaller dogs, they definitely mm-hmm. can make great um, targets or little, little round platforms. They, they look very, they, they look very stable. So I, I think that that's okay. I've never seen them in person, so I can't have, a, but, but it looks fine to me. Yeah. Yeah. I so think it's definitely. There are a US product. It's it's easier to get mm-hmm. it here. I when I've seen people yeah. try and find it in other parts of the world, it's a little bit more difficult. I've never seen them here, so yeah. It's not but but that's an alternative I think it's okay. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. great to use at home. It's great to use um at least here in the US, easy to find, easy to get a bunch. They're fairly inexpensive, so yeah. a good alternative especially when you're looking for things and you don't want to I, I think there's enough sizes that you can they can sort of be custom without being 100 percent custom to your dog um so it kind of transitions us into the purpose of inflatable fitness equipment because you know we both talked mm-hmm. about um what are minimum requirements for canine fitness? And we talked about platforms so and, and going on about stable things. Um, why, why do we have inflatables? And why is that like, I think a lot of people, when you just, when you say canine fitness, 
they immediately, what pops into their head is that the inflatable canine fitness products that we see so much of. So why did those, why do we use them? What's, what's the purpose of them? I just say what I, I start with one word balance. Yeah. It's stability. Keep like going. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, you know, we call them instability equipment, but the purpose of them is to create stability. Stability. Um, and we know, especially, stability is very important for injury prevention. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what drove them is people were looking for ways to keep their their pets, their dogs, their loyal companions from getting hurt. And like, what can we do to make their life better? And that's really what drove the market for them. Um, But they're not the only piece. Like canine fitness doesn't equal inflatables. Like there's lots of other stuff that goes along with canine fitness, right? It's a part of. Yeah, it's definitely a part of. And and depending on what you want to work on, you may use them more or less, right? Exactly. And and I mean, mean, we have, with flexiness, we have different kind of inflatables. I mean, fit stages are inflatables as well, but they are also platforms. So it, depending on how much air you have in them, so you can use you can use it for both, and um, I think that's that's something. Yeah, it's just part of it, but you you have to you can adjust them so you can decide what you want to work on it and how you want to use them, just as platform or make more for instability, and then combined with other equipment other inflatable or stable equipment you can go from there so to depending on the goal you have exactly and so this kind of goes into like when i think about fitness Mm -hmm. i like i think there are and, and this is getting a little bit out of the dog world and getting more into the human world. But there are five aspects of, of physical fitness, right? We have our cardiovascular endurance, yeah. our muscular strength, our muscular endurance, our flexibility, our body composition. And really, the instability equipment is it fits into those muscular sections right it's not you don't need to to do standing on instability equipment if you're focusing on cardiovascular endurance but if you want to build muscular (laughs) strength it can be a really important part and so also part of it is looking at what your goals are for your dog you know if you're going out and your main goal is to be able to do um like ski joring or um you know, cane across where it's mostly running. It's, it's very cardiovascular. That should be the focus of your fitness program. There still should be some strength components, but 
you're not necessarily I, like you can maybe get a way of do, you know doing strength without necessarily having a lot of instability equipment i always uh, like to say it's like the the inflatables don't make you run the distance but they help you to survive running the distance. Exactly. And, and you know, we look at a lot of, again, going to the human world, a lot of research of, of um, how human athletes have better performances. More and more we see that combining other aspects of the physical fitness um, into yeah. your training program benefits you no matter what your main goal is. So we talk a lot about of specificity, the principle of specificity in training and saying, well, like, you know, if you want to run, if running is your thing, you should run. That's how you should train for it. But that doesn't, the principle of specificity doesn't totally negate cross training. We see benefits. Runners are benefited from doing some strength training. They just don't want to overdo their strength training, but they still definitely see improvements in performance, um, decreases of injury by doing all the aspects of fitness, not just focusing on running. So that's where, you know, I think this. It's I think it's not only the physical physical aspect to just do focus on other parts in sports just help also helps you mentally so it clears your mind whether you like the exercise you have to do or not it helps you in your sport and it's the same with dogs it's just not not only stay focused but not only on the your goal is to focus and not only yeah you have there very, are different ways yeah, that lead to, to that true. goal very true i totally agree with that like the mm-hmm. mental aspect to doing things i think is huge and we don't know enough about it because especially in dogs because we can't ask where were you thinking about where where was your focus yeah. but we know in people it's mentally mental health wise it's it plays a huge role um doing exercise so yeah i i it's one of those like I hate, like, I don't want to push people to have to buy a lot of, a lot of the products, Mm. you know, I don't, I want, I do recognize that there's other parts of fitness and lots of other parts of fitness, but using the inflatables is still important. Even if it's only a minor part of their fitness, it's still a very important component. And so that's why we should incorporate them into our fitness plans. And I think, again, going back to like professionals, if you are a professional in canine fitness or rehabilitation, it's important to have lots of different products to be able to find the right fit for what you want to do with that specific individual. Yeah. So I think... Talking, talking more about inflatables, let's go into, obviously we have options when purchasing inflatables. Um, you know, if we're looking for 
you know, for starting a new practice and we want to get the equipment mm -hmm. for our practice. We have lots of options for which types of equipment we want to have. Um, and then obviously for making recommendations to our clients uh, for home use, we have those same options. So let's talk specifically about flexiness, because I'm going to say we may, we maybe have an expert on flexiness oh. here. Um, what are some... Really? What, Who is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> what are <laughs> the advantages and disadvantages, if there are any, of purchasing flexiness products? So why, why do you think the flexiness products are the ones that we should all get? So you want to ask me about flexiness USP or what, what are we talking about? Um, I, I would say one of the, the things is that we, we really focus on designing products for dogs. Um, I try to choose the size, the shape, the material and patterns for dogs. Um, I think... The, the, the how we how we do the products is i mean i mean i know the business from all perspectives so so i i might be a little bit selfish but i the products flexiness is producing are the ones i need in my studio so if tomorrow comes a dog and i see that that dog needs a product that doesn't exist uh i might try to invent that product for that dog um yeah this is uh what I do, what I love to do, and 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 I like to design new products. Um, there, of course, there are uh, products you can use from from the human side as well. They they might might be similar, uh, like like our products. But when we introduce a new product we choose uh the material and and um, how how soft it is or or, or not um etc i think yeah, that is think, something that makes it special yeah i i think so as someone who um i obviously i started out with using a lot of other fitness equipment um, and I'm going to say for me, the big advantage of flexiness products is, is the design, the fact that they're created for the, the, the dog anatomy, the dog body, the different sizes of dogs, and really with a lot of thought behind how they're designed because of that versus a lot of other products are very much just taken directly from the human side and slightly adapted for dogs with potentially like a little bit different material, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I appreciate that, you know, we're looking at quadrupeds versus bipeds and making product that is more appropriate for quadrupeds to use. Um, we're also taking into consideration yeah, small dogs. You know, a lot of the equipment before, you know, we think, oh, this is the lowest level, but then you put a little small dog and it's, it's actually pretty hard for them. It's, it's 
um, it's tall for them <laughs> based on their height. So that's really um, what I think is a, a major advantage. Um, I'd say the disadvantage is that you keep coming up with things that I need to have. And so I keep having to buy more <laughs> to provide them you for, said that. You for said my, that. <laughs> my patients. Because every new thing, I'm like, oh, yes, that, that makes sense. I know what I... I need that for, and you know, it's, um, yeah, I just, I think that I mean, it, it makes, it's, it's good to have that focus of like always trying to develop products that are appropriate for our clients. Yeah. It's, I think it's like, um, if you're talking about disadvantages, I mean, I think I might, for the customers, a, a, a little disadvantage might be that they have to buy what I like. <laughs> they have, they have to, they they will only get the colors I like. I don't do customized colors because um, uh, I'm not doing colors the the market is asking for. I I do what I like, the colors I want to see, and it's like a little kid in the candy store. Um, this is my world and I want to have it all and I want to produce all them nice, cute products and and they have to match. It, it has to be a, a color world. Um, I feel um, happy with it. So um, you will never ever see a flexiness product in orange or yellow because these aren't colors I like. <laughs> so um yeah you have to stick with the with the color scheme that is in my favor so i'm sorry for that not <laughs> <laughs> yeah just make sure you plan your your locations color scheme around the colors of the flexiness products like you know you might want to go with a, a bit of a a neutral color on the wall so that it doesn't yeah because <laughs> Because the, inter the, interesting, the interesting fact is that most of my therapist friends, they have everything in orange. And I hate mm. orange. It's the, it's yeah. the I can't stand it. I really can't stand that. And they always keep asking me, when are you doing something in orange? Never. <laughs> because I... That's not my color. I'm sorry. I love I love my pinks, my purples, my turkeys, my whatever. <laughs> yes. I I agree. I I love that color scheme as well. Um what about um you know disadvantages maybe, maybe not. What about the worries? So I hear a lot of people always ask questions about the the plastics, the the 6p plastics and is it is it safe is it um you know what is being put into the equipment and what are what are your thoughts on that because I, I will say if anything when I sometimes talk about this kind of the inflatable equipment specifically a lot of people ask that question and um you know, typically, you know, my answer is it's fine, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about how we know that. Oh, how we know. I, I'm, I'm not one that is going uh, out with that uh, info 
very open because I don't think it's necessary. In my opinion, it's normal to um, bring 6P-free products on the market. So the factories we work with, they they don't produce with... Uh, they their, The production we have is not using uh, these 6Ps. Uh, so I don't I don't think it's uh, necessary to to talk about that because it's normal. It's like it, it's we, we are living in the year twenty twenty one, and so it just doesn't it just doesn't happen anymore. The, those factories. It, it, I I guess it will happen, but not not in the factories I will produce because we are aware of the problems. Uh, okay. of, since a lot of a lot of years and it's not um it's they check that, the you know they spot yeah, check the, the factories and... are are, che- are checked we we do we check the products as well we have labs that check that check the products so it's uh, so we we can be assured and we have something in hand if someone is asking but um it's just normal it's like um it's to me. It's it's always like when someone is asking me. It's like when someone is asking me about the health of the dogs I breed. If this is a goal for me to breed a healthy dog, no, this is not a goal. Not my breeding goal. Uh, I to breed a healthy dog. This is just it's this just is normal. It's a ground rule to breed a healthy dog. It doesn't even work. It doesn't always work. Okay. But this is the ground rule. And same is it with producing safe equipment. Right. It's just, that's the, the rule. You're not. That's yeah. the, sta- that's the standard. That's the standard. I'm not. And, and so it's not something I think I should communicate all the time because it's not, it's not necessary. It's normal. Good. Yeah. I think it's something that, again, kind of depending on where you are in the world, it's become Mm -hmm. more of an issue. Um, And we tend to be especially hung up on cancer causing agents in in the US. And so I think that gets brought up a lot (laughs) um, for some reason. Um, And it is, again, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's, it's, it's the normal standard for you. So it doesn't seem important. I don't think that's the right word. It's, it's not something you would like brag about because it's just, that's how it should be. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a stand from, to me, it's a standard. And so it's not, I, I prefer to, to, yeah, it's, it's not something I, I want to promote my products for because I, uh, because it's, it's an, it's, to me, this is something negative from the past that happened, not in my company, but but um, we had all these bottles that uh, uh, weren't BPA-free in our youth. Right. At least when they, when they shared our ages. So, um, and we are still alive, by the way. Um, <laughs> um so it's not it's not i don't i don't want to promote my products with a negative aspect and this to me is a negative aspect from the past so i don't see the point to our the factory uh, we i we work with is uh controlled they are certified they have and, and we do we do check the product so everything is okay but this is nothing 
I want to promote my products because they are too pretty to promote with such <laughs> info. <laughs> my opinion as a former graphic designer. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. That that makes sense. I'm glad you I'm glad you explained that though, because I think it's it's something that it's it it is something people want to know about and it's it's good to have that explanation now out in the open. Yeah, it's, 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 I, I, I'm always, I'm always open to discuss this point, but it's not, a, 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 yeah, it's just not, it's just when I go and buy some new shoes, I don't go and ask is the wrap, is the rubber in my new shoes uh, free of everything that could make my feet feel from my legs. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. What else do you want to say about fitness equipment? Anything else that we've... Yeah, maybe you have to say something about fitness equipment. I, I was talking a lot. I, I think I'm, I'm already dry. <laughs> so maybe... <laughs> well, for me, I think a lot of it is, you know, thinking about... It's, it's not just about the inflatables. Like if we're looking for a full fitness plan, you know, we do have to think about other things like i guess maybe yes how about talking about treadmills maybe the advantage or disadvantage of dog uh or versus human treadmills oh yeah so that's that's another piece of equipment that people Mm -hmm. um yes usually expense is a consideration um buying a specific treadmill for um the dog rather than using the human treadmill that's you know sitting in the garage but um and but you know again we i t- we touched on this a little bit of like quadrupeds mm-hmm. versus bipeds there's different stressors on the dog's body when they are moving when they're walking or trotting um and treadmills are designed like i think a lot of people don't really think about all the design and engineering that goes into making a human treadmill and how it is made yeah. for people to be comfortable running on it and to try to give them a good experience you know not be hard on their body because we already know like we have the research yeah. we have the evidence that Running on a treadmill is not as good for you as running outside. It's more to do with the mental aspect than anything, but it's still, we have that, that research. Um, but you know, all these companies that make human treadmills are trying to do their best with people in mind. And so then to just throw a dog on it, that's not necessarily the best for their body. Um, you know, a lot of times the easy thing I think for most people to see is the deck length, like the deck length is a lot shorter for people, um, than for dogs. And so, you know, there's worry that it could inadvertently create, um, a poor gait for the dog. I'm not as worried about that because I really don't think, I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that the only exercise the dog gets is on a treadmill, but I don't think that's the majority. I think a lot of people do other things besides the treadmill, but yes, if all your dog did was get its exercise on a treadmill, having a very short deck, 
length would be a problem. The other thing that goes into it, and depending on the size of the dog, depending on size of the dog, yes, if you have a little dog, they can often fit on a human human treadmill. The other differences, though, are regular human treadmill. Regular human treadmill. Um, The impact, you know. So, and I don't, I don't know enough about the engineering of of how it works but it it does have to do with the where the deck is has a little bit more give um for the impact mm-hmm. it's it's made differently for dogs than it is for people and so that's why if you get a dog treadmill it's actually not recommended that people run on it because your impact is always in the same spot and can often break it down because it's not built for that um so that's another aspect of of the two types of treadmills why it's important to have a dog one versus a human one and i'd actually say that's to me that's more important and then finally i mean and it's hard to rank importance because i think it's really important how they are enclosed um, so human treadmills tend to have yeah. this big tower in the front so that you know, all the buttons and stuff are at your arm length and easy for you to do. But that creates a big barrier for the dogs and often adds pressure that they don't want to get close to it. They don't want to get under it. Um, so I like the, the fact that dog treadmills are, are more open. There's not this big tower in front okay. you be right there in front of them and um or on their side and still see everything I, I like moving i like my dog treadmills naked so i don't want anything i i don't like to have uh something no cage around no walls or something and um exactly the operation, the operation thing should be close to the ground as well. This is what I like. Yeah. I prefer in my dog treadmills. Yeah, I agree completely. I want, I, I also want the dog to always feel free to, to be able to get on and off of yeah. it on their own. You know, they don't need to have this fencing around it that. Well, makes I hate, them I hate that. Them. Yeah. So, so, so one point for safety with the treadmill is. Uh, when you work when like you this, work like um, the flooring besides the treadmill has to be safe. So when the dog the dog is jumping off, they don't um, slip. So this very is... good point. Yeah, not something I've ever really thought about because I've always had the treadmill in my, you know, dog gym area. So like the flooring yeah. is already made to take <laughs> your dog jumping down you know, on. It. You know. Besides, besides posture safety is one of my uh, pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. That yeah, don't just put it like on your tile floor and have no, the yeah. dog jumping on and off onto the tile. What else? Anything else about treadmills? Uh, no. Uh, no, I, I, I've just, just one something to add about human treadmills. I've just seen one model of human treadmill that was actually long enough for uh, larger breeds, mid-sized uh-huh. to larger breeds. 
and that one was uh hmm, let me say about fifteen thousand dollars wow so you you maybe can invest in a dog fat mill then first yeah. <laughs> or a few <laughs> And, you know, here's the other thing with treadmills. If you can get outside and, like, take your dog outside to do this exercise, you know, you don't need a treadmill. Um, I honestly never had a treadmill until I moved to the Seattle area. And after spending one winter here, I was like, I need a treadmill Mm -hmm. because there are days that I look outside and I'm like, I'm not going out in that rain it looks miserable. And I, you know, my oldest dog is one of those dogs who hates the rain as well. So trying to get him to spend more time, even if I was like, okay, I'll go out in it. He did not enjoy going out in the rain. So that's why I ended up getting a treadmill so that I could give the dogs a little bit of cardio um, exercise on the days that just weren't nice enough to go outside (laughs) yeah yeah i i do i see it the same it's just um i have one in my studio and i have one at home so it's just uh the one at home is used when the weather's bad and i think they need to exercise besides uh, doing fitness, uh, inflatable fitness training. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or fitness training with inflatable products. Yes, so. <laughs> just like we talked about. Um, <laughs> cool. Anything else? Have we forgotten anything about maybe fitness? Equipment? I think we should talk about maybe fitness equipment and puppies. Yeah. We have puppy updates. Yeah, I yeah. So yeah, so before we move on to talking about puppies, I'm just gonna say if you guys have, if our listeners out there have specific questions about fitness equipment, pop on over to our Facebook page and um, post your questions there. And if you're a patron. We will answer your questions on a future mini-sode. So let us know if you have any other fitness equipment questions that we haven't addressed yet. And now we'll talk about puppies and fitness. So there for a long while, I'm going to say I heard a lot of people saying, you shouldn't ever use inflatables with puppies. Um, And I don't actually really know where it came from, why it got started, but it definitely got put out there. And I mean, you saw it all over the place of people saying, no, 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 it's dangerous Mm. to use inflatables with puppies. Um. And I'm going to say pretty much all it's my... It's dangerous puppies, when you don't use it safe. Right. Uh, and, but that's mm-hmm. the same for adult dogs too, right? Um, and I'm going to say basically all my puppies. So since my now almost 10-year-old, which is basically my dog that was older than him, I never had as a puppy. But uh, from him on, I've always introduced 
my puppies to inflatable equipment um, pretty much as soon as they come home because I do like to put inflatable equipment into their X-Pen. So when they're just hanging out, there's stuff for them to interact with, climb over, um, you know, get to know their body by, by walking around on it on their own. But I also do training on it as well. What, like, what are your thoughts, Katerina? I don't see a problem using, using them with the puppy. I do it. I do it from the beginning. We actually um, made a new product that is made for puppies and smaller dogs. So I think it's, it's great when you use them in a safe way because it helps, it helps them to develop their, the whole, the whole, it, it helps them to, to develop the whole body awareness. It, it helps them to develop mental strength. Um, they want to explore, they want to see. And if it's safe, there nothing, and, and not too much, Nothing is nothing speaks against it, in my opinion. Yeah. How do you see it? I I agree, and and actually, like the latest information about fitness in children is actually it's changing quite a bit. You know, I think if I had to guess, I think a lot of our concern about fitness in puppies and using fitness equipment came from the fact that. You know, there was kind of always these uh, fitness organizations in people um, saying, you know, be careful and don't overdo it. And we, we don't want to hurt them. Um, while at the same time, what's, what's really interesting to me is, you know, these organizations are saying these things about kids. But then at the same time, if these kids are participating in um, athletic sports at a young age, they're being pushed, you know, they're, they are asked to, to mm-hmm. do these things. So I recently completed a course on exercise physiology from Stanford U- University. And I thought there was some really interesting new information or new recommendations for kids saying that, you know, children, as young as three to five years old should be physically active throughout the day to promote growth and development. Um, And that children Mm -hmm. age six to seven should have at least one hour a day of moderate to vigorous activity, predominantly focused on aerobic activity, but also including muscle and bone strengthening activities. So, that's really young. You know, if we think about it, between like three to five to years old to start being physically active, you know, that's like our three month old puppies. Um, And then already, do you think it's already three months? I mean, when you say six to what what was it? Six to three to five years old to be physically active throughout the day. And what's what's the other (laughs) age? Six to seven to be six to seven i mean i mean 
that's under that both is under six months under six months old yeah and you know they're saying that you should actually have focused (laughs) physical activity not just Mm self-play which is kind of what we would say with those puppies right we'd be like oh just let them play do it all on their own you know do you know five minutes of a fitness per month or something like that and it's like no like if we look at kids we actually you're being told to promote physical fitness when they're very young that's how we start out with a healthy lifestyle um the next ages um which are really interesting because when i was going through sports programs it was pretty much set that we shouldn't start lifting any weights or doing any kind of strength training until we had gone through puberty. So oftentimes this meant okay. as elite athletes, even as, you know, children, you know, with the goal of like making the Olympics or um, competing professionally, we often weren't started on any kind of strength workouts until 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, and now we're finding that actually it may be beneficial to have younger kids start doing strength training programs. So I mean, it depends on the weight and the routine, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not it's not. So we're seeing now that like kids starting at age seven or eight can can start, you know, a well controlled, you know, a specifically designed light weight strength training program. Um, and it can be beneficial for both their fitness and for their self-esteem um, and mm-hmm. that they will, you know, start getting stronger and that can be better for their developing body. Um, obviously, most, most of the strength gains don't happen until they hit puberty, but that doesn't mean not to do strength training before puberty. And I just think we yeah, and I think about the about the self esteem you can see in dogs when doing it when 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 you do when you already start with your puppies working on these things. To me, it's more dangerous to let puppies play all the time free and 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 this is not controlled movement. This is I think this is worse for a puppy than have a short session of controlled uh, and safe. Uh, training, if you want to call it training. Yeah, it's just I think, experience. I, I would like. I, I prefer to say maybe experience in that age. It's, yeah, I just think complete avoiding of it and saying like, oh, mm-hmm. we can't be using inflatables with our puppies, or this X Y Z inflatable is too hard for a puppy to be using, isn't. It, there's not really evidence for that. It needs to be done safely. It should be done, obviously, with the best intentions. But mm-hmm. it's not, um, it doesn't need to be completely avoided. Definitely not. I mean, my puppies, when they when they have their play time, um, they are in, in my home studio where all the inflatables are 
spread out. So we have all of them being there and they run around them. They, for example, they, 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 the, the, the product they fancy the most is the cloud because they like to stand up on the cloud because it rocks back a little bit. They, it's so interesting and they love to be, to, to be there and they love to, to experience that, that. So with the front, they are on that cloud and, and rock slightly back and forth. I have no problem with that. And it's I'm there, it's controlled. I looked at no, no, no other puppy is pushing one puppy away. So I don't see a problem with even doing that with small puppies. And then the, the new toy past, uh, paw discs we are, um, that are coming up now, they are as only tested so far with my puppies. And they are, oh, I don't know how old they are now, maybe around 20 weeks now? Mm. Not yet, 18 weeks or so. I also so. wonder, like you brought up the rocking and how the cloud specifically mm -hmm. has that like, that almost rhythmical back and forth rocking. You know, if we think about it, we do that a lot with human babies as well. Like we put them in things that move them side to side mm -hmm. and it's it's very comforting and so maybe the same thing is happening with these puppies as they get on it and they they like that pattern of moving side to side and we get the secondary benefit of engaging some of the muscles I mean, as well when we're especially talking about the cloud now you can I mean, it depends how much air, air is in it. If, you, if you're if you using it with a puppy, you don't need a lot of air because they are not as heavy. So it's not rocking that extreme. And uh, then it depends on the flooring you have, the size of the puppy you have, how, and then you can, you have things around. So it's quite safe. It's not, I, I, to me, the cloud isn't a very isn't isn't a specific, difficult isn't specifically difficult product, in my in my eyes. Yeah, it's it's challenging, but it's it depends how you're using it, and if a dog if a puppy wants to try that and is is and you are there and I don't see the problem. Yeah. So I, I let's. <laughs> to help people have specific examples, um, maybe let's talk about what our puppies are doing right now at this age. So my puppy is coming up on like five and a half months old. And I'm going to say just yesterday, she went for a four mile walk. Um, she's continuing to learn her positions. So sits down, stands, um, specifically working on things like a fold back down um, to the unfold stand. Um, and then she's also starting to get a little bit more specific sport training. So we've started working um, with the Sensi mat to teach her um, her running mm -hmm. dog walk. So basically she has to run to the Sensi mat and touch it to, to get her reinforcement. And then we've started doing some jump wing training. So basically the wing is out there and she needs to go out and around the wing and come back. So not any actual 
agility equipment, but very focused on eventual performance for agility. That's great. What are your puppies up to? Mine are now, yeah, they are now, I just checked it, 19 weeks old. So, um, yeah, uh, we are doing at the moment, so we are still on the uh, posture, uh, posture perfection. So we do some kind of um, stacking training on targets, free it's it's a, it's a free training i'm doing so i i have uh they there are several um targets laying on the ground and i i just walk around and stack them per, and and try to stack them without leash perfectly on the targets just the front is hitting a target and i want them to uh extend their rear so that they get a perfect um rear end positioning this is what we are walking at, uh, working on so they are following me and and I and I try to free stack them in a perfect way so that they are reacting on my body language and we uh, are working on a nice trot uh, also without leash um, just following me and we are doing this um, with distraction without and with distraction and um yeah this is what we are working on at the moment Fun. um we will increase uh we will start using inflatables a little bit slightly on the fit stage do the stacking training on the on the on the fit on the bar no on the beam sorry um so they have a little bit of um balance experience while free stacking as well this is the next step we are we are doing, and they uh, and with especially with voodoo, I'm working on the free stack on the new toy party parties. Oh, cool. So because she because she likes them. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm super. I'm super excited it to is. have these puppies develop and what they end up doing. Because I don't know. I just I think they're gonna be awesome. It is. It is. It really is a great experience. I. 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 I love to see how they, um, how they are when they are raised with 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 um with the products. It's. It's. It's so. It's such a big difference when I compare them to other puppies the same age. Yeah, I see so many awesome things about my puppy like her development wise like i just feel mm -hmm. like she is able and is showing us all these things that she can do and i i think a lot of it has to go back to doing this kind of fitness and introducing to her and like telling her it's okay um rather than constantly restricting her from being able to do things that yeah. she wants to do so it's just, yeah, these restrictions. I was talking with one of my vets lately because I, I had an appointment with um, a couple that has one of my puppy sisters. Uh, and they, um, for, I think it was, uh, they got their shots. And then we were talking with the vet. 
and and she wa it was very interesting to hear her view and uh, they asked me in front of her and and, and then the stare question came up and the jumping on and off the couch question and then i was just like yeah try to avoid it but you can't protect you can't rub them in bubble plastic and say prevent them from everything it's just like try to avoid dangerous situations use common sense and and if if your if your puppy is a jumper then lay something on the ground that they when they jump they fall it's not as high and it's soft when they land and um, and and look that you can avoid these situations but you can't avoid everything because when you want, try to avoid everything your your puppy will be very um, uh, shy and and fragile because the thing is like yeah. if, if the body doesn't ever experience the stress of jumping it's actually mm -hmm. not preparing it physically to take that impact so like if we never and they will try doing it right so it's one of those things if you prevent it and prevent it and prevent it and never let it happen that's more risk that the one time it does happen something is going to go wrong with it versus if we prepare the body you know if we're using fitness equipment that's not very high and having them jump off of that that can actually help the body start to understand how to take that impact. And it, it, the body adapts to it. It's the, the general adaptation syndrome. The body, when the body is stressed, yeah. it does things. It changes itself to be able to handle that stress. And we have to think, you know, stress isn't just the mental, you know, stress, oh, I'm overwhelmed. It's also any kind of stress on the body. When you lift something, when you jump, all of that is, is stressing the cells. And we, if we don't ever allow any stress to happen, the body actually gets weaker. It, it actually can't handle things. And so, it yes, is. there's, there's the other side that you can do too much you know, it's definitely one of those like, um, you know, too little isn't good, too much isn't good. We have to find the just right. But there's a wide range for the specific right. dog. Yeah, there's and there's a wide range of just right yeah. depending on the dog and what you want to do. So, I think, um, you know, it's it's also one of those things I I heard recently of of humans are really bad at assessing risk and where risk comes from. So like, we're really, the example they gave is like, we don't care about the risk of like standing outside in the sun and like the radiation that we're getting from the sun, even though we know mm -hmm. the radiation from the sun is really bad for our body, but yet we're scared to death of the radiation from our phone and like having our phone always close to our head. And it's like, <laughs> That radiation is actually so much less than what we're being exposed to every day from the sun. Like people just aren't good at actually realistically assessing risk. And so I think that's why we get really worried about these things with puppies and we're like, oh my God, that's dangerous. And it's like, is it really? Like, let's let's really sit down I mean, and evaluate I mean this. <laughs> 
but this leads me back to the to your question about the the toxic uh, material. Right. I mean, is it really that bad? I mean, we are not. If there would be, um, if if the toxic materials would be in the inflatables, maybe they are when you buy cheap cheap uh, knockoffs. Um, if your dog is not constantly licking this thing, I don't see. Right. What is the risk? It's the same. It's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Versus where it came from was the fact that it was in the bottles and we were constantly drinking from them. Or 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 children's toys. They the baby toys. They they all they chew on it. Or or if it's a dog toy, they 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 have in the mouth and they chew on it. Then I can see a really. but it's if it's an inflatable product, you're stepping on for five minutes. Yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah, it, it, maybe the maybe the things that are the things uh, that are in the dog food are worse than that. But just to repeat it, our our products are um, are totally six P free. Yes, <laughs> they are safe. Well, I feel like we could go on and on forever about. Yeah, we and already I, we already have uh, the lo- the the longest, longest episode podcast. ever. <laughs> yeah, and probably so, yeah. I'm gonna guess we'll get a lot of questions about this too. So I'm sure we can um, do another episode answering all the questions people have about equipment. Um, obviously it's like I said in the beginning, it's a hot topic. Lots, lots of opinions out there, Mm -hmm. lots of, um, different thoughts on it. Um, I will say, um, it's, I think something that will always be changing as we learn more and that's okay. When we learn more, we do better. So that's that's what we're doing. And, and, and I want, I just want to say life is a risk. If it's ours or if it's our dogs, um, we can't play it safe all the time. And I want, I, I prefer to make experiences, even if they are maybe not 100% good. So, and this is what I want for my dogs as well, to make experiences. I try to make, to have them as the most positive experiences, but not only. So, um, this is, it's okay to use these equipment with puppies. Exactly. When you know what you're doing. And with that thought, I think we'll sign off and say to stay, stay fit, fit and, and stay in the game. Bye-bye. Bye. listening to Let's Talk Canine Fitness. If you enjoyed our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at www.letstalkcaninefitness.com. Want some bonuses? Support us on Patreon. Every month we will release a mini-sode exclusively from Patreon questions. Plus, 
other special bonuses you will find only on the Let's Talk Canine Fitness Patreon page. This episode was produced by Leslie Ide and Katerina Mattioli. Music written and performed by Moonfly. Music provided by PremiumBeat.com.